Welcome back to the Fourth Way Podcast. We are starting to draw our season on government to a close, which feels really good to me. But I feel like even though I've made a pretty compelling case for how Christians should view government, that this betrothal to government, uh, this betrothal to pragmatic systems, is, is so ingrained in us that um, I just feel like I've emphasized it so much that maybe listeners are going to think that what I'm saying is hyperbole. I can hear a lot of people saying right now, sure, because humans are fallen, all systems are going to have flaws, but we don't have to assent to moral compromise when participating in government. I get that. I, I understand that pushback. Um, but, you know, that's, that's extremely idealistic. And, you know, this coming from this, the exact same people who speak of pacifists as being idealists. Nevertheless, I understand that, that I am going to have to deal with this kind of pushback, people who think this kind of thing. I've made a, a very comprehensive case um, this season, about as comprehensive as, as I can make it at this point. Um, ne- but I don't think that there's, there's anything as powerful as maybe getting information straight from the source. So I can argue philosophically, theologically, all that I want, but until you kind of are able to, to see things in action straight from the horse's mouth, it, it's not going to be nearly as meaningful. So conveniently for me this season, I came across something just the other day, which I think is going to help you see that the criticism that I have levied this season so far, and, and a lot of Christian anarchists levy, this idea that um, you know, moral compromise is horrendous and inevitable when you join government, um, I, I think that I came across something that is going to show you from the real world that this isn't hyperbole, but it's absolutely 100% accurate and realistic. The other day, I came across an interview done by Al Mohler, who is a major player in the Southern Baptist Convention, which is the largest, I think, Protestant denomination in the States at this point, um, and is the, the second largest Christian denomination um, in the States, next to the Catholic Church which is not Protestant, of course. So Moeller and the SBC are very representative of evangelicalism and Protestantism in the States. In, uh, in this particular interview, which is entitled Spycraft and Soulcraft, Moeller interviews James M. Olson. And Olson is a man who is a Christian, along with his wife, and both of them served in the CIA for a number of years. Moeller spends a lot of the interview discussing with Olson what some of the big moral issues were that he had to deal with and how Olson worked through those ideas as a Christian. Um, the interview is, is a goldmine in terms of uncovering so much of, of what we've talked about this season in regard to the way that government calls Christians to moral compromise, as well as revealing the consequentialism that we've talked about, I mean, in a whole season, as well as through lots and lots of different episodes. So I'll put a link to the interview in the show notes, and um, I'll be, because I'll be jumping around from quote to quote, and you might like to see where it is in the context of the whole interview. I'll also be discussing Olson's book a little bit because after I heard this interview, 
I uh, I definitely went and and read his book called Fair Play, and we'll we'll be discussing a bit of his book as well. So let's jump in. To set the stage for uh, the first extended quote from uh, Olson and Moeller, when I was reading Olson's book, um, one of the one of the first things that stuck out to me was, um, and this is not a direct quote, but uh, Olson said that like he lied, cheated, and stole every day of his career, uh, which is probably a little bit hyperbolic, but maybe not really. He probably did at least one of those things every day of his career, um, you know, because you're participating in, in lies all the time. And this harkens back to an interview I did with uh, with Zach Johnson this season, where he was talking about, hey, look, you, you get into other moral issues too, which he found, because when he declared that he was uh, a conscientious objector, but he's in the Air Force, and he's like, well, they, they tried to move me around to some different positions, but he's like, you know, the, the position I found myself in, it's like, well, um, I'm get, for counterintelligence, I'm, part of our job is we have to figure out how do we lie to our allies and our enemies. We don't want our allies to know our full strength, but we want them to know a little bit, and we don't want our enemies to know things. So now my job is just lying all the time. So how do you, how do you deal with that as a Christian? So Olson is, uh, he's going to come face to face with this. And of course, Olson is going to have a little bit different of a take than I would or uh, Zach Johnson had. Uh, and, and Olson is going to essentially um, justify this. He's going to see that um, absolute morality, or he refers to veritatis splendor, I think is what he calls it, uh, which is kind of some Catholic teaching on um at least certain certain aspects of absolute morality, and he's going to say, "Look, that's that's just idealistic because um, it doesn't it doesn't protect you. It doesn't get you the results that you want." Yet he he'll deny consequentialism as as I think you'll see in one of the quotes. So um, let, let's just get into um, his his interview here. Let me read what he says. So this is first of all from Al Mohler. Quote. You acknowledge in both of your books that spycraft or espionage will invoke some serious moral questions. And in your first book, Fair Play, The Moral Dilemmas of Spying, you actually set out so many of these explicitly, and I think with a lot of intellectual honesty. One of the things that you acknowledge is that it comes down to whether or not one will do spycraft or not. You write, I will concede that spying is a dirty business, but my question is this, what's the alternative? No intelligence? Should we abstain from lying, cheating, deceiving, and manipulating, and do without the intelligence they produce? Should we unilaterally discontinue espionage and covert action operations overseas? Should we put all our trust in overt sources of information, diplomacy, and the peaceful arts and hope our enemies will not take advantage of us? Is that the real world? Would that be safe? Well, you raise that question. End quote. So Olson's going to reply to that, right? Direct quote from his book. He's like, how, how do we avoid doing all these bad things? Because if we didn't do these bad things, these things that people deem bad, um, it wouldn't be good for national security. So here's Olson's reply. I did raise the question. It is something I've thought a lot about because my life was a paradox in many ways. Because on one hand, the most important things to me in my life were my country, my family, my honor, and my faith. 
But on the other hand, I spent my entire CIA career lying, cheating, stealing, manipulating, deceiving. So that's the issue that I wanted to deal with. Can those two points be reconciled? Can a man of faith conduct himself in such a way that he is engaging in those things? When Meredith and I, my wife was also in the CIA, by the way, when we launched into this career, we had to make an upfront racialization. We had to say, all right, as people of faith, we know that we will be doing things we would not ordinarily be doing, the lying and cheating and so forth. But we sincerely believe that we're doing these things for a greater good, for the legitimate defense of our country. And I can tell you that throughout our career, even though we engaged in some things that sometimes bordered on, we did not see any conflict between what we were doing and our faith or our moral code. We devoted our lives, Dr. Moeller, to protecting our country against totalitarian, evil, oppressive, atheistic communism, and we thought that we were on the right side of that. And so, we had no qualms about doing what we had to do for our country. If we're going to defend our country against the evils that are out there, we can't go out there with our hands tied behind our back. We've got to fight tough. And that's the issue. How tough is too tough? When do we cross the line? When do we betray those values that we're fighting so hard to defend? When do we become them? And that's kind of the point that we had to discuss throughout the book. Yes, I think that's accurate. That's the way I saw it. And I do believe that the just war theory does apply to us in intelligence community. If it could be morally acceptable, as Aquinas said, to kill in legitimate defense of our country, it seems to me that it should be morally acceptable as well to lie, cheat, steal, manipulate course in legitimate defense of our country. Okay, let's pause here. So this this brings to mind a couple things. I mean, number one, again, Olson is going to say that, uh, and I'm sorry, but before I, I kind of start attacking Olson, I do want to say something positive first. I I do appreciate how Olson is very open and upfront about his moral reasoning. I disagree with him 100%, but um, I like that he does not compartmentalize uh, things, but he admits what his morality um, produces or, or w- what his reasoning is. Because I and and I think part of that is because he was thrust into a situation where he does value his faith, but he also does value um, protection. And, and I don't think he's he's just purely self interested trying to protect himself. I, I really do think he's trying to protect um, the people of the United States and the lifestyle that we have here. Like he's trying to protect our country. I just think that um, his moral system, I mean, it undermines the moral Christian morality. And it also undermines the Christian kingdom, this idea that you know we're a borderless nation and so he's willing to take advantage of, of other people just because they're in a different border. Um, and, and that's throwing off this Christian ideal of borderless nations and it's objectifying people. So I, I really disagree with it. But I appreciate that he, he takes it head on. And uh, a lot of the, the conservative Christians here, stateside, they're not going to do that. They're going to, um, you know, dismiss and say, "Well, no, you know," and they're they're just going to obfusc- obfuscate or whatever you call it. And I like that he he's honest, he's open, he's upfront, um, because we can have a conversation where we disagree and we we battle that out. So I appreciate that about him. Um. So to what he said, I mean, first of all, he's going to say that he's not a consequentialist, but one hundred. 
I don't know how you say you're not when you say, you know, what's the alternative um, if I don't do these things? And that, that's a consequentialist ethic. He's saying, I have to do these things because they work. He also uses the term, you know, it's the greater good. Well, that's, that's a consequentialist ethic right there when you, when you see words greater good. That's ends justifying the means, right? I'm willing to do a bad thing so that good things may come. A, a better thing in my perception may come, right? He's assuming his perception um, justifies him to do these bad things, but, you know, somebody in a different country, their perception doesn't justify them to do the same things back to us. And then uh, another tip off here is going to be where, um, you know, he talks about Aquinas's just war theory. And yeah, I have problems with that too. So I think, I think if you base something off of Aquinas's just war theory, you've got, you've got problems. But so let, let's, just, let's just explore what he says. He says, you know, according to Aquinas's just war theory, it's okay to um, kill in defense of our country. So it should be morally acceptable as well to lie, cheat, steal, manipulate, course and legitimate defense of our country. And I, I think Olson is right, and that's a problem with Aquinas. If I can kill somebody for my country, why can't I lie to somebody for my country? Right? Why can't I steal, manipulate, course, um, manipulate, deceive, whatever? Why can't I cheat? I should be able to, right? My problem with Olson's list is, I assume Olson would say, um, I, if I were to ask Olson, and again, this is speculation, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I know what he would say. Um, okay, Olson, uh, let's see, would you ever James Bond it with some other woman, um, for the better, for, for the greater good of your country? You can save a couple thousand lives, so go, uh, go be unfaithful to your wife, you know, as part of the spy game. And I think you draw the line there. No, 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 you can't fornicate. You can't commit adultery. For, for the course of um, your country, even if that saved thousands of lives. There's, um, when, when you get into some of his explicit um, scenarios in his book, one of the ones that stuck out to me, it was, it was so interesting, like, how, how people justified doing certain actions in Spycraft, but not others, and how um, they kind of changed back and forth. It, it's, it's a really good book, because he gives you lots of real-life scenarios, and, and you get to hear a lot of different people react to those scenarios. And um, it's just fascinating. But one of the ones that I think everybody was unanimous on um, was, no, it's not okay to um, obtain a child prostitute, an underage girl, for, um, for somebody, like for a diplomat that you're trying to court. It's, it's not okay to do that. Um, and you're kind of like, well... Olson, if I, if I can kill somebody, if I can um, lie to somebody, if I can cheat or steal, why would, why would obtaining one child prostitute for this diplomat that maybe I save thousands of lives, what's one child prostitute to thousands of lives? Sure, the child prostitute thing, that's terrible. I hate that. It's horrible. But that's one life that you're sacrificing and you're not even sacrificing your life. You're just sacrificing one traumatic experience so I can save thousands of lives. Why, like, his, his, moral, his moral boundaries are just, like, he just, he doesn't realize it, but he's, he's just picking and choosing the things that he doesn't think are big deals. And um, he, he's choosing, 
where he can compromise and, and where he can't, and it's arbitrary. Because there are other scenarios where obtaining a, an older prostitute, everybody's like, oh yeah, yeah, that, that would be fine as long as she's not exploited, you know, go ahead and obtain her. Well, what would happen if, if uh, Olsen was in a different country, a country where you know, you've got a 12-year-old girl but there, there's no such thing as, as um, child uh, underage sexuality. And you could obtain it legally, and it's not against their... Like, with their intelligence agency, if there were Christians there, they might be okay with, with procuring an underage girl, according to, uh, to Olson's moral ideology, if you're a Christian in that culture. So what you find is when you depart from, from objective morality... You end up getting this this subjective morality where um, it, it doesn't make sense why you compromise on some things and not others. It's just it's arbitrary. It's subjective, and this harkens back to Augustine's you know uh, books, his works. We did some episodes on lying and against lying, and uh, when Augustine has this guy come to him and say, "Hey, look, can I can I lie to uh, to these?" Um, these heretics to try to entrap them and catch them in their their heretical acts, and Augustine's like, no, you can't do that. Um, that's against the character of God. He's like, you wouldn't go fornicate with them to say, well, I can catch a heretic if I fornicate with them. So if you can't fornicate with them, you don't lie. Uh, and and um, I mean, it's the, it's the same thing here. I think Augustine's argument would would hold. Now, I think Augustine then is inconsistent with, with his, his whole killing, you know, his, his justification of killing. Nevertheless, even there, Augustine could say, well, killing isn't inherently wrong. It's not something that's against the character of God, whereas lying would be. So definitely recommend you go back and listen to some of those episodes, uh, as well as the season on consequentialism, to kind of um, get more of an idea of what, what problems I think Olson has going on here. All right, let's, so let's get into uh, the next quote that I'm going to have, uh, where Al Mohler uh, asks a question. Mohler says, I agree that spycraft is an honorable thing to do, but you're not merely saying that the end justifies the means. And Olson replies, well, it's close, and I don't want to be labeled a utilitarian, but a lot of the means that we use... Uh, let's take some examples. Targeted killings, waterboarding, blackmail, seduction are ugly things in the abstract, but have they saved lives? Have they been for a greater good? By waterboarding Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, how many American lives did we save? How many terrorist attacks did we thwart? By killing Osama bin Laden, assassinating him extrajudicially, didn't we in effect render justice? Didn't we prevent anything that he was planning to do in the future? Now, a lot of people objected to those acts, and I understand why. But as I point out in the book, and you cited that, what if we had not engaged in those activities? What if we'd refrained from collecting that intelligence? Where would we be? And I think that's an unacceptable alternative. I believe that when we go out there, we've got to have the tools at our disposal to match the evil forces that we're fighting against. So, Olson doesn't want to be called a utilitarian, but... He's a utilitarian. <laughs> I mean, I just there's there's absolutely no escaping it. Now, the, again, I, I appreciate his his candidness, but um, 
it, that's just what it is. He's a consequentialist. He's a utilitarian. And the the goal of this episode isn't to bash uh, James Olson. The goal is to say, like, Olson is just telling you what the reality of government is. You go into government. This is what you do. The ends justify the means. Like, your job in government is to figure out uh, how far can I morally compromise to get the greatest good out of this? Um, because moral compromises are required. Now, Olson tries to justify those and say, well, they were actually good things because it accomplished a, a better thing. The, the result was better than the act was bad. But that's what government is. That, that's what it is. This is reality, straight from the horse's mouth. I want to read you just uh, one more quote that kind of gets at this uh, this um, you know consequentialism utilitarianism aspect and and kind of cement that in and then move on to uh, a final part. So here's a quote: "It's really unfair after the fact, I think, for people sitting back in Washington to say you went too far. You should not have kidnapped that person. You should not have waterboarded that person because it's easy to say, and our people were doing." this with the best of intentions, waterboarding is nasty. I hate the fact that we had to do it, but it's easy to take the moral high ground and say, we're not going to do that. And of course, the Obama administration decreed that we would not do it anymore. That's fine. Tell us, we won't cross the line. But we have to realize that when we refrain from activities like that, and I would contend as my good friend and colleague Jose Rodriguez wrote in his book, Hard Measures, that waterboarding these three people did save lives. And these people were not permanently harmed, the ones who were waterboarded. And so that's kind of a horrible calculus that you have to make weighing the lesser of evils. But I take the position that in an extreme case with preferably judicial oversight, we should not take enhanced interrogation off the table. If we have an imminent threat to our country, lives are at stake, we know the information could be extracted that can save those lives and that enhanced interrogation is the only way to get it. That's a horrible position to have to state, and I'm not proud of it, but I believe that in the greater good, you can make that case. So again, Olson here is uses the words, you know, lesser of evils, greater good. Um, hands down, consequentialism, utilitarianism. So then after this, uh, Moeller is like, oh, yeah, I, I agree with you, but I... I'm a little bit disturbed because I feel like, well, then can't you end up justifying everything? And uh, Olson asked him a question. He says, well, let me ask you, do you think that waterboarding is bad, but it doesn't kill? And Moeller kind of chews this over and he's like, yeah, I mean, I guess I mean like killing is really the worst thing that you can do, right? So if we justify killing and we know that killing is right uh, or can be right, then how do I not justify these things? And, and they get into this, in their minds, murky territory. And, and I get that because I, I was there for sure. And um, it, was, it was actually this sort of thinking which made me realize, hey, look, I've, I've got to make a choice. I got, I've got to choose either killing is bad um, or a lot of things can be justifiable. And so one of the uh, one of the the situations the the clincher for me was when I realized, okay, 
I love old World War II movies, Nazi Germany. Um, I would kill a Nazi in a heartbeat to, to um, just because Nazis were terrible. They were killing lots of people. I'd kill a Nazi in a heartbeat to save people. Yet, the place that I get my haircut, it's right next to a Five Guys, and on the other side of it is a Planned Parenthood. And you'd see people protesting, and you'd see women who were walking in who I know were going to get abortions. If abortion is the modern-day Holocaust, there's a, quote, Nazi doctor in that abortion clinic, as I speak, getting ready to murder. And I would never justify somebody going and bombing that clinic or killing that doctor. But I'd kill a Nazi in a heartbeat to save the life of a Jew or whoever else they're going to kill. There's, there's some major dissonance there. And I, I have yet to hear anything that's even close to convincing about the distinction between those two things. Because if abortion is the modern-day Holocaust, then I've got a Nazi right next to me when I, uh, when I am getting my hair cut, and I don't do anything about it. So either killing the German and killing the, uh, the um, abortion doctor are wrong, or they're both right. And really, I should probably go and kill some abortion doctors to defend life. So I recognize, for me, it was more ludicrous to justify bombing an abortion clinic um, than it was to say, you know what, I shouldn't kill the Nazi or the abortion doctor. Um, because a- anything in between those two options is inconsistent moral application. It's, um, it's hypocrisy, it's failing to, it's refusing to acknowledge um, the logical conclusions of your system. And that's, that's where Moeller and Olson are right here. Moeller is more wrestling through it. He's like, ah, yeah, I, I feel like you can justify everything, but we know that it's okay to, to kill because of just war, so I guess you're right, Olson. I guess, you know. And um, they're really wrestling with that. Olson's kind of come to his conclusion. Moeller still vacillates a little bit. Um, but that's the type of thing that, um, that you really need to, to sift through to create this, this dissonance that's going to get you to land where you need to land. Either you land with Olson and say, yeah, we can pretty much justify anything, um, really, if, if we can find a good that is big enough uh, to, to negate the evil of the act that I'm going to do. Or you come down on the side of, of nonviolence. Um, so there's, there's another quote that I like that, um, that Olson pulled out once or twice in, in his book that I think summarizes maybe Olson's um, ideology here. And it was a quote from Nathan Hale, which Nathan Hale is the guy who was, was caught for being a spy. And, you know, he said my own, something to the extent of like, I just wish that I had more than one life to give for my country, right? Well, uh, Olson pulls out another quote from Hale um, that Hale used to justify his spying because apparently spying used to be just like really looked down on. Like, oh, that's deception and, you know, that's, that's not honorable. So Nathan Hale, before he made his decision to be a spy, to justify his being a spy, made this statement, quote, Every kind of service necessary to the public good becomes honorable by being necessary, end quote. 
So in Olson's mind, because uh, espionage, the lying, the cheating, the stealing, maybe the fornication, I don't, I don't know where he lands on that, um, uh, procuring prostitutes, embezzling, like what, whatever, all these things. Um, if they're necessary to the public good, which I guess is good for the greatest number of people, uh, I, I don't know. But because if an action is necessary to that good of the people, then it becomes honorable because it's necessary. From a Christian moral perspective, that's messed up. Um, because Olson is choosing to define good as in my physical well-being at this moment or uh, even economic freedom. So there, there's a, a point in, in Olson's book where he says that economics, or he agrees with the, this idea that economics is national security. I forget which president um, kind of said that and used it as a justification um, for, for war or violence, but Olson, as far as I could tell, agrees with that. Economics is national security. So now we're talking about killing people, lying to people for the, the good, right? Because it's, it's necessary for the good. And what makes something good? Well, economics is national security, so I can kill and lie in the name of economics because that's a public good. That's a security measure to, uh, to maintain my economic standing and well-being, which ironically we disagree with when uh, you know Japan bombed us because we messed with their economics through sanctions, so is economics, a, you know, a call to war if we mess with somebody's economics? Is it? Um, does it justify doing evil things? Um, if so, does that work both ways, or is that only if it's if it harms the United States? Does it justify our immoral actions because our economics is a greater good? So I, I think there's enough there for you to see the just moral issues, the just wasteland that is that that moral reasoning. It's it's consequentialist. It's utilitarian. No matter how you want to dress it up, um, and yeah, I, I think there's plenty there for you to to sift through that. But I do want to to leave with with two things. I'll leave with um, a more practical, pragmatic. Um, realism check and then we'll end with a uh, Christian kingdom realism check so one of uh, the first thing you know practically speaking Olson makes a big assumption uh, he makes a lot of big assumptions but one of the big assumptions is that um, the the government is out to protect our good um, and that that they do that well um, yet there are so many things, and, and Olson even reckon, uh, brings up one thing that I, I hadn't heard of before, uh, HT-lingual, which is when the government for like 20 years or something was basically opening people's mail. Um, but, you know, on top of HT-lingual, all of the other things that the, the government has done in the intelligence sector, there were the Pentagon Papers that showed we fabricated, um, you know, the the reason that we got into war with with Vietnam, like we made that up so we could go to war with them. Uh, we had Cointelpro when the government was spying on everyday citizens, like feminist groups, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. trying to get him to commit suicide, sending him things in the mail, um, getting liberal professors um, 
fabricating stories of um, infidelity and breaking up marriages of liberal professors who were part of like anti-war groups, non-violent anti-war groups. I mean, all kinds of terrible things that that are uncovered in CoinTelPro. WikiLeaks, uh, talking about how we're harming civilians in in our wars. Um, Snowden, what the things that Snowden released about how the government like basically has all of our emails and phone records and things. I mean, it the the amount of evil that our government does, the the um, the police state that it is, it's it's insane. But Olson has this idea that the government is is um, like a father, like like a good father. It's almost like this um, surrogate father for us. It's almost like like a god, like a second god, um, th- which justifies the evils that we do. And which wants to take care of us? Like, it, I don't know. It's it. It just doesn't sit well with me. Um, knowing what I know about who our government is and, and our history. I mean, the CIA and the the assassinations that they're they're doing in all of these other countries, the the coups that they're um, they're doing, the the um, the tyrants that they're installing in Iran and Cuba and who knows where else. Just all of our international interactions. I mean. There's so much gross, wicked stuff going on externally as well as internally. And so for me to trust Olson and, and his department and, his, and government institutions that they're making huge moral decisions that compromise objective morality, but then if I was going to have anybody compromise objective morality to have them do it, there's no way. There's no way that I am going to to put my name on that and and put my name behind that as you know these people I trust to make moral compromises for me um, because they care about my well-being. I just history tells us the opposite of that. And that leads into not only so that's that's more of a practical side of things like history shows us that this just is illegitimate, but as a Christian, it's it's a million times more illegitimate that um, for my economic interest, installing a tyrant in Iran and Cuba is good. We can overthrow their leaders. We can assassinate people. We can install somebody who we train to torture and make people disappear who are political enemies Like because that's good for us. How as a Christian does that make sense? Okay, maybe, maybe what we did in Iran and Cuba and South America, maybe that was good for me. Maybe that was good for citizens of the United States. Maybe economically that was great. Um, I don't know. Let's assume that it was. For me as a Christian, does that justify it? Like when, when Olson defines what is good, he is defining what is good for American citizens because he's protecting American citizens. How is that even... A, a Christian perspective that I am going to do what is good for the people in my borders at the expense of people uh, just because they're they're across the ocean they're they're behind some other arbitrary borders it's it's not a Christian thing it just isn't Christian I mean I don't think any of it is the the moral justifications the the killing the lying all that stuff I don't, I don't think you can have moral justifications for that but What's just disgustingly unchristian is our willingness to sacrifice and objectify um, non-Americans. That is not a, a kingdom mindset because 
if you're a Christian, we are all in the same big K kingdom, but it seems to me that Olson and nationalists and patriots um, are willing to sacrifice brothers and sisters, anyone, but especially brothers and sisters in the big K kingdom for their uh, idols and little K kingdoms. But don't take my word for it. Check out the, uh, the interview with Olson. Um, check out Olson's book, Fair Play. It really is a, a good book that gives you insight into things. Even if you're going to disagree with it, it um, you know, I don't want to straw man it. And so go check it out for yourself. That's all for now. So peace. And because I'm a pacifist, when I say it, I mean it. podcast is a part of the Kingdom Outpost Network. Please check out the links below to find other great podcasts and content related to nonviolence and kingdom living.